welcome to an all-new episode of Talking Football Extra, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. Well, not long ago, Borussia Mönchengladbach played regularly in Europe and was one of the most exciting teams to watch in the Bundesliga. However, after Max Eber left, the Adi Hütte deal didn't work out, things have deteriorated. So, what has happened? And what is ahead for one of the historic greats of German football? Well, my name is Nick Wiltang, and joining me to talk about the Folds is none other than full writer podcaster Manuel Breuer. Manuel, I'm delighted to have you back on. How are you doing today? Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me. It's been, uh, I was always glad to be back. Thanks, Nick. Well, it's been too long. So, dear listener, here's what we're going to do on this episode of Talking Foosball. In part one of the show, we'll take a closer look at what's been going on at the club so far this season. And after a short break, we'll crack open a bottle of beer and we'll take a closer look at the upcoming summer transfer window and what's ahead next season. Here we go, it's part one of Talking Foosball Extra, the Bundesliga show, new source for all things German football. Now, let's talk Gladbach. 28 matches into the season and Gladbach are not playing for anything in particular. They're six points up to a possible Europa Conference League spot and 12 points down to the relegation places. So Manu, how would you then sum up the season so far then? If it was being really harsh, I'd say it's a, it's a lost season. Certainly disappointment outweighs any highlights that we've seen this year. Uh, and in Gladbach circles around supporters, but also, I guess, even closer to the club, there's just a feeling that it's really annoying almost to see a team that has at least in part played the Champions League or had definitely challenged for European spots not long ago is really not capable of getting two wins in a, in a row that has been lacking the whole season, you know, sort of um, corroborating a victory away or a home win with a good away performance. And uh, as a result, everything is very mediocre. When you look at the stats and when you look at the situation you just mentioned, Gladbach sitting in no man's land in the league. Well, you mentioned that the sort of inconsistency that has been one of the most consistent things going on this season. I mean, on the one hand side, there have been wins against Bayern. You've actually taken four points of Bayern and drawn a win against Bayern. And the Hinrunde you won against Dortmund and Leipzig. That was a big win in the derby against FC Köln. But on the other hand side, there have been really big losses against Hertha Berlin. Werder Bremen won, you know, by massive numbers against you in the Hinrunde. And that just begs the question, why is the team so inconsistent? I mean, shouldn't a team that gets four points out of Bayern be in the conversation for a European berth, at least? Yeah, there's been a discussion that, so of course, this season is quite extreme in, in, in that, that the wider public being interested in the Bundesliga notices this. For, for Gladbach uh, fans or, or insiders, this has been a debate ever since, actually, well, probably even Dieter Hacking parting. So it's something that developed under Rosa, it developed under Adi Hütter. It has continued now under Daniel Farke, this inconsistency, this not, not being able to perform against the supposedly weaker sides in the Bundesliga, but always performing well against the, the, the top players. 
And um, of course, you know, the fans or the media turn to blame someone or something for it. And uh, as in most cases, the weakest link is the is the coach. So, you know, we've seen, we've seen Adi Hütter coming in, being brought in for a lot of money, just staying one season. And now we have Daniel Farke, who had a good start, if not a great start to to the season, a good first third of the of the season, but yeah, that again falling back into the rhythm of utterly disappointing and then rather good or great performance. And at some point, you have to ask the question: Is it really the coach? Is it really the system? Because there was also a change of the of the system from hacking to what we've seen under Rosa and and Hütter to back now to Farke, really looking at sort of playing from the back with possession football, circulating football. And I think the answer is really that the squad has been composed in a way that is quite toxic almost. So there's yeah, there's motivation to perform on a big stage on a nice Saturday night match against Dortmund, against Bayern. But, you know, Tuesday night in Stoke or the German version, you know, Friday night in Bochum, it's not been working because uh, maybe a lot of players have to be very negative, have maybe their minds elsewhere to see where they go next, as a lot of the players have used to have or have a hefty price tag because they can perform, as we've said now several times. So I think that's also where the, the club of secret of the of the earlier this decade late or last decade late, the squad composition was really good. Talent was brought in. There were established Bundesliga players who were moved in from other clubs who then performed well in, in Gladbach as well without being, you know, destined or not looking at, at other clubs. And I think this combination, this this mixture hasn't, hasn't aged well in, in Gladbach. And now we've seen the correction years looking to, to change these. And But as a result, the team doesn't inspire the supporters because it feels like it's a it's a told this team is a told story the team is a is a done combination of individuals that are on their way out in one form or another and that need inspiration and need a breath of fresh air and i really hope that this is going to happen this summer well you mentioned daniel farger there uh, several times i mean what were the expectations to him when he came in at the start of the season and, and has he actually been managed to fulfill those expectations so the expectations were that he will be a much better fit for the players Gladbach has at hand. Thinking about someone like Manu Kune, Florian Nohaus in, in midfield, certainly also Alessandro Plea, and um, well, you know, playing defenders like Rabi Benzabaini, being uh, Itakura, who, who was brought in. That is a good match. That these are players who like to have the ball on their feet, who don't just hit it wide and go for a, I don't know, physical one-on-one header duel but rather really want to play football and that's a good match for Farco who has shown us in Norwich that he can he could play attacking football and he can take a team to the Premier League twice with that kind of football uh, a football that is active that is proactive about wanting to keep the ball and you know these are aspects that were criticized under Hütter that had really not been shown despite uh, having the squad for this. But of course, that was also an odd mismatch because Hütter was brought in to play really aggressive frontline pressing football. So it was it was in a way back to the roots with a little bit of Favre, although that is a comparison that doesn't really work. But Favre was, of course, the front runner until spring, until late spring. And he was almost announced by the club to be, to be ready to replace Hütter. And then there was a change of minds by Favre, as we know him. <laughs> so here the last minute... Has he ever changed his mind about anything? I mean, <laughs> anything from shopping cars to shopping cheese with the Lucien Favre must be a pain in the ass. 
Do I want Drill Elemental? I don't know. Well, Gorgonzola is nice too. Absolutely. And in, in that line, of course, it was <laughs> it was good that, that someone like Farke was then still brought in. But it also tells you that these two profiles are, are definitely players who like to play different football than what Marco Rosa does or, or Adi Hütter. So it was a way of matching the coach to the squad at hand. Well, if you look at the table right about now, you see that seven teams of the teams above Gladbach have scored more goals than them, and none of them have conceded more goals than the Foles. So what's the biggest issue then this season on the Farke? Has it been the defense or the attack, or is it a combination of things just not working as a whole, or not working as well as you would have liked? For me, the biggest issue is the defense that um, really had worked well in the first third of the season where Gladbach was on, on course to end the season maybe with 35, 40 goals conceded. And there's a position to challenge for a European spot, certainly, as the attacking players were delivering goals per game. And then came the match against Werder Bremen, where Gladbach was uh, 3-0 down after after 15 to 20 minutes and lost 5-1 in total, which was uh, really unexpected at the time. The team seems to be you know, getting into gears and, and, and finding themselves. Koita Kura, of course, got, got injured during that time. Koita Kura coming, he was on loan at Schalke in the second Bundesliga and then came from Man City, uh, a great deal, I have to say. And he really stabilized the defense as a, as a really playing defender who can also play on a holding midfielder position, brought in from Matthias Ginter, who left, you know, for free to Freiburg. So with, you know, Farkas arrival and then Kura's arrival, it felt like, well, actually, you know, he's a, he's a coach who, who will, implement possession football but certainly the issue under Hütter and, and Rosa was we were going for sort of 60, 55, 60, 65 goals conceded per season and you know you can't score 70 goals every season as a sort of a if you're not Bayern Munich or, or Borussia Dortmund maybe and that was certainly the, the thing that improved things a lot for me and it's easier of course to just rely on somebody like Turam or, or Sindel or Hofmann or player to score one goal if e you really focus and you don't give away easy points or goals at home. So some of the early games on the season were there was a lot of patience. Farke doesn't like to uh, sub players on or off. So, you know, with sort of a very steady approach to the game. And I think I quite like that because it, it, it builds confidence in the team. But then it was all gone. You lose 5-1 to Werder Bremen and all of a sudden you get these matches where you seem to be in control and all of a sudden you concede a silly goal or even two of them. Bochum is, a, is another example. You go away, you go away to Bochum and you lose 2-1. And it's just sort of these sucker punch games where you feel like, well, this team is not going to achieve anything. And, you know, you, you can draw in, in, in Bochum, or you can lose in Bochum, but it's just the easy giveaway goals and you have to chase the game for 70 minutes, which doesn't allow you to actually play your football because the game is instantly changed after 20 or 30 minutes. And every heavy defeat, you mentioned Berlin, you know, you, you even lead in the game, but you just give away cheap and easy goals and you get utterly thrashed by, you know, minds as well out of the blue. You're in control of the game. And I think if you, if, if you're a serious contender for Europe, you have to see these games out in a way that if nothing really works attacking wise after 60 minutes or so, yeah, you're still holding on to a point and maybe quality then attacking wise shows for you. But Klapp has been chasing too many, especially away, too many games, one, two, three nil down by just being silly in defense and making the same mistakes we've seen, blatant mistakes we've seen and a reason under Hütter. So, you know, Farke delivered in the first third, and, and I still, it's, it's quite surprising to see this change back to the old bad habits. But 
it it happened in the sort of middle of the of the Hinrunde, and it hasn't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, the start of the season actually was most exciting uh, when it came to Gladbach. This might be a little bit of an affront for any Gladbach fan, but it was actually the interviews that some of the players gave, by the way. Itakura, his relationship with German beer, absolutely fantastic. I drink it because I'm polite. It doesn't taste that well. And Joe Scally, who is befuddled by the fact that you actually have to put a coin into a trolley when you want to go shopping at the supermarket. Because he's like, what, what, what was his quote? I'm not in the market for a trolley. Why would I take it? <laughs> yeah, again, think about, uh, you know, uh, Hans Meyer or something. Yes. You know, famous quote about <laughs> <laughs> players saying odd things and, uh, yeah, their intelligence. No, I think, but but I think these quotes, there is something in there. And uh, I thought you were going to mention the likes of, you know, Christoph Kramer, who is a pundit, a regular pundit already now, still being an active player. He writes for Elf Freunde and is on television. Yes. You wonder how, you know, how much time he spends on, on these things. I mean, you know, admirable to some degree, but if the results are not great, you uh, you, you begin to ask questions. Uh, and of course, him and, and other players, leaders of the team, Jonas Hoffmann, well, they find often, quite often, the wrong words after the wrong games. So I think that was also a, a theme of the season where this calm approach to commenting on the season, commenting on matches, commenting on the on the future, that certainly Max Abel implemented and and steadied the boat with over a decade, in times of success, has now maybe come to haunt Gladbach because there's sort of an atmosphere that everything will be fine, we're doing well, and there were a lot of awful defeats sold as well. We're really good in the game for the first 30 minutes, and or we you know we the second part of the second half was actually then really good, but. You know, omitting that they conceded three or four goals in the meantime. So I think you can you can do this a couple of times as a sort of a diplomatic way of uh, finding yourself out of trouble by being being cornered by a journalist. But there there was a pattern, or there is a pattern over the season, and I think nobody's buying it anymore. And it's quite infuriating when you see that. I think everybody just seems to be sedated <laughs> in and around the club with, well, you know, we got hammered this week. We have to, again, come from behind in terms of European sport. We are ninth, 10th. We never really got back or got onto the fifth position, sixth position. And yeah, and of course, Farke had to also then, he started to, well, explain why his team wouldn't challenge. They're basically saying they're not good enough. And of course, that gives the team an excuse and, and the supporters were amazed at, at such a statement. Uh, I mean, I can see the motivation for Farke there in the big picture, but in the short term, or in the in the from week in week out, it, it just is not credible anymore. And I think that's what a lot of Gladbach supporters are struggling with. Yeah, being grateful like eighty four minutes of a match is oftentimes not enough. Just watch Werder Bremen against Freiburg. Turning our focus back to Gladbach, and my last question for this segment is going to be: Which players would you highlight as having had great seasons, and which of the players within the Gladbach squad have really disappointed you this season? You know, I thought about this question. I think really outstanding players are there's a testimony to being a mediocre side in in mid table. There isn't really many that come to mind. Of course, uh, now I would almost have to name Jonas Omlin, who is of course brought in for Jan Sommer. You know, he has made great saves and he has been very commanding on the pitch. And and um, you know, there was also an incident where he basically told Turam in in a training session to f off because you know he wasn't taking the training match serious. So I think that's something that 
club of fans and also maybe the club is craving for to have people who come in and uh, who really show determination and not just sort of I'm a passenger for for this team so that's Jonas Omlin after all although being you know sometimes absent in games I think Jonas Hofmann has taken another step as being really a, a leader of the team because you know not long ago he was a passenger in this team and a lot of under Dieter Hacking it was always why is Jonas Hofmann playing and now he's, he's a regular for the German national team and he scored his ninth goal of the season last week and uh, you know he's just probably looking at double digits and assists and goals and of course that makes him a really important player and I think he can continue to deliver this just by the, his clever way of playing football and I would I said Kota Kura um, although he has really had a dip in form recent weeks but he was one of my favorite players of the of the Hinrun. On the disappointments should I just assume that the other 21 players are the disappointing ones? Yeah, just to, to some degree, you have to say that. I think you would give some time and, and, and credit to the, the youngsters who were brought in or have been with the club now for one or two years. So Manu Kone, of course, who is certainly, uh, you know, raw diamond. But personally, I don't see has, that he has progressed much in a team that is not able to steady the boat this season. So I think he could have done better. But certainly he's incredibly gifted and, and an outstanding talent and probably the one player that might do something on the transfer market for us if he's set to leave this this summer. And then Luca Nets, who a lot of supporters want to see in the squad for Rami Benzabini, a young winger, very promising, you know, came in from Hertha. And um, yeah, Joe Scali, we talked about him. All players who are definitely not at the end of their potential, but, you know, I, I can't blame an 18, 19, 20-year-old for maybe having a, an art match. So, you know, if you think, if you think Turami, if you think player, even, even Stindl, if you think Elvedi, Benzebaini, Laina, Kramer, who all have been with the club for years, years in and years out, I mean, they haven't delivered over the season. Well, I think your answers may provide a working canvas for sporting director Roland Virkus. And in part two of the show, we'll take a closer look at what is ahead for the Foles. Great, here we go. It's part two of Talking Football Extra, the Bundesliga show. So, Manu, Gladbach are facing the real possibility of not playing in Europe next season either. How does that impact the club going forward? Well, it just means that as the club is very conservatively managed, and I mean this in a good way <laughs> when it comes to finances, because, uh, you know, we've seen awful, we had awful examples, especially in the Bundesliga in the past decade of mismanagement. So, that means that ultimately there have to be players sold. They have to be sold this summer or sooner than later to be able to bring uh, other players in who then may be able to challenge for Europe or at least rebuild the squad. I, I'd rather not see the, the perspective for next season to be back on sixth or fifth, but just have a squad that really everyone can identify with and that has a future. As I was saying earlier, you know, this team really gives the impression that it's an end of an era, it's the end of a of a, of a team, of a, of a squad that was together. So rebuilding to an actual proper degree, rebuilding. And, you know, if you don't play in Europe, you don't get these, these, these extra millions. And at the time, now Gladbach has burned through a lot of the money that was saved in recent years by being conservative. Corona has hit the club extremely hard because of their business model. Uh, no outside investor and still, you know, counting on getting supporters in, you know, which was all absent for all Bundesliga clubs. But um, it, it, you know, it, it, it resulted now in the club losing a lot of money three years in a row. 
So, you know, with the, with the extra TV money also that is, that is missing, that's a huge component in Gladbach. So therefore, selling players to bring new players in. So I wouldn't expect, you know, a, a jump from currently, you know, ninth, tenth position to being, being back to the glory days in 2020 Champions League and 2015 was a Champions League, you know, that to happen. Well, I mean, you just held the AMG uh, just recently and uh, Roland Verkis, the man we just spoke about, he gave a speech and he actually was booed for certain segments of that speech because he said it was actually a decent season so far, which a lot of the fans did disagree with. And I've actually got a question in on Twitter about Mr. Verkus. It's actually at Timmy underscore G-E-R who asks, do you think that Roland Verkus is going to be in the same position that he's in right now, two years down the line? Well, that is a very good question. That I think a question we all ask around the club and that may even be asked within the club. It's, I think for me, that really decider is, is this summer. We can't sort of nibble away through another very incremental squad change. There will be, there has already been departures being announced and I would like to see a massive number of new players coming in. I mean, we're not talking Chelsea here. <laughs> we're talking, you know, looking <laughs> looking at talent, looking at, at, at young players and seeing young players and experiment. I think it's, you know, you, you can forgive them. As just, I was just talking about the players who are already there who are really young. You can forgive them if they're, if they're part of a, of a mission and, and come in. And, and Farke has shown to be, to be working really well with young players and also with players who really haven't shown their potential and already performed at other clubs. So, you know, bringing a lot of these in, that will be the defining moment for, for Virkus this year. I haven't seen much, so I'm a, I'm a bit skeptical. I'm a bit worried at this stage because I was hoping to bring at least some players in earlier this, you know, the spring, as it was clear from pretty much match day 20 or so that European spots is not going to be happening this year. So to, you know, to already set the stage for next year and not just rely on, as I was saying, Manu Kone leaving for maybe big money really already get some free transfers or really cheap transfers of, of really young talent in. So that's something I would measure Virkus by. And of course, Virkus, let's not forget, he's been, he was the head of the academy for over a decade, for 15 years before he was brought into this head position of sporting director. So it's his metier, it's his you know, field of work to work with these kind of players and see them develop and sort of work with the coaches, work with the scouting department. I'm a bit skeptical, but yeah, if, if he does this, I can certainly see him going on. That this is the philosophy of the club to keep everyone in charge as long as possible. It's a very old board now in Gladbach, a very senior board, shall I say. <laughs> I mean, is there anybody under 70 on that board right about now? No, no. Yeah, I mean, Rainer Bonhoff is actually the youngest one at 71. That's about right. And and, and Haki Wimmer and Günther Netzer were made honorable members, and they're both 78, so at the, at the AMG. So, you know, it's just nicely sitting in within the median age of of, <laughs> of uh, at the steering wheel there. But yeah, jokes aside, I mean, you know, it's um, the, the club has, has really a, a knack for really long stints of, of people in, in deciding positions. So I think if he gets it right, he will stay there and, and move on. But, you know, that's that's good then because, you know, he's recognized what needs to be done. But at the moment, you could, it, the arguments could go both ways. And I think that's also a reflection of the AMG being, you know, him being booed. You have to, to some degree, and that's true for Fark, you have to sell the unsellable, you know, a, a team that is perceived as being much better than they actually perform or could they could perform better than they are, <laughs> however you want to define it. You know, you can't only sell it so much. So, and but they have to do this, and 
extending the contracts. Jonas Hoffmann's contract was extended. Uh, Omlin was brought in. Players' contract was extended. Certainly, you know, also now with Farke bringing some of the young players in, if he gets to sell Kone for a lot of money, that's again a summer transfer period. All deciding moment for me. Well, I mean, talking about transfers, I already confirmed that we do now are going to happen. Well, there's Lars Stindl, who's 34. He has decided that he wants to move back to Karlsruhe, where he's from. He might actually be going down a division, even though he could very well play another year of Bundesliga football, if you ask me, maybe even two. But what hurts even more is the fact that Rami Bansabaini and Marcus Turam are going to leave at the end of the season, and they are going to leave on free transfers. And, I mean, you've talked about, you know, this being a, a generational shift going on, because... When you look at last season, Ginter, Mbolo, Zakaria left, Zoma left during the season. And additionally, Jordan Bayer, a guy who was touted as a big talent, who never made a breakthrough at Borussia Mönchengladbach, he's been on loan at Burnley this season, and he might leave the club. But, well, the good news here is he might actually bring in the lovely and handy sum of 15 million euros should Burnley decide to you know, trigger their buying option. Yeah, you know, a lot of names, a lot of illustrious names that have brought, you know, a lot of spectacular goals or a lot of spectacular matches to the club in the more glorious last five years or, you know, everything before maybe 2020, uh, 2021 with the Champions League. It's a massive loss of capital and it's it's, it's a massive loss of, uh, of sporting uh, quality. You know, this, these are so many big names, you know, they were all linked to as big moves, big money moves. So the, the problem here is that, you know, Virk is, is sometimes selling it in a way that there's nothing that could be done or it's just a normal way of, you know, oh, we would have liked to extend with Turam, with Benzabini, but, you know, this is the philosophy of the club with with Abel and, 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 and the previous coach was always like, well, we develop the players, I mean, and certainly sell them on for much more money. That was just the business model of the club. So you have to be honest and, and see the full picture that they actually failed at this. And, and that was the leaving Max Abel's fault, I would, I would argue. But also, of course, of everyone else, they're being involved and in not really correcting this or not really seeing that in 2023 with all the ex, uh, expiring contracts, 24, there's several more. The club might run into trouble if these players just, um, yeah, well, push the button or don't push the button and just and just leave. And and this is now happening. On the other side, as you mentioned, the, you know, someone like like Bayer who who had a great stint with company at, at Burnley, it's really clicked. And you know, having an academy player who who was not foreseen to really break through as a top central defender for Gladbach, but was sort of number four, and that's why he's loaned out. He now bring in fifteen million. Talked about Kone, maybe one or two other players could bring in uh, also a lot of money. The Bundesliga, as I currently see it, in, in this region where Gladbach is now competing, you don't need to get the big money at hand and spend 40, 60, 80 million to have a competitive squad. You know, we have Union Berlin, we have Mainz, we have Freiburg, all challenging for European spots. Union Berlin certainly heavily challenging for the Champions League with a lot of players who would play in the Zweite Bundesliga a couple of years ago or still may as well be. Yeah, can you imagine Kevin Behrens in the Champions League? I mean, the guy who used to play for Sandhausen, that in itself is an insane sentence. That, that's it in a nutshell, really. Absolutely. And But that also tells you with the coach who has an idea which players to get and then, you know, links that links Virk was getting players into to Fark, of course, as he, I, I think we should judge him by the coming season. That's also why I would be against 
sacking him now as you know there've also been calls for that after awful performances it's just a reflex in the football business but you know bringing these players in and and looking at the development there you, you can do this with limited money and you can also reduce the salary so that has been a problem at the talking briefly about the AMG, that the salary has massively increased under Rosa. So the club is still spending way too much money from these years, so two or three years ago now. And that's, that, of course, is a chance because an opportunity that will be gone with Turam, Stindl, Benzebaini and the players who left before, that's gone. It's off the bill. So bring players in who are, you know, not that top sort of uh, top salary, top talent players. And I think that's doable in the Bundesliga. And that's something where you're still extremely competitive if you're getting it right with the coach. And in that regard, I still believe in, in, in Farke because he's shown some aspects of coaching that, that, that are good. Whereas, you know, of course others weren't, you know, but in the Bundesliga, there's a lot of very charismatic coaches now, you know, uh, Main Svensson, you have you have Baumgart at least last season. He was doing extremely well with Cologne, Union Berlin as the as you know Streich at Freiburg as the as the reason where almost it's almost like the manager, the coach is the star and he's really controlling the football and the squad. And I think why shouldn't a club like Gladbach emulate this and and and, and you know change change their generation of, of of squad of the players they have and do the same. Well, I mean, if Cohn's transfer ban is actually upcapped, uh, Stefan Baumgart might have to put himself onto the pitch, and that is going to be fun. You know, talk about rebuilding this team. How many new players do you expect at the club coming in, in the coming season? I mean, as we mentioned, there are three, four, five really big names potentially leaving the club. But would you expect six, seven, eight players to come in and, you know, go directly into the sort of mode that would see them compete for first-team football? I do hope so. It sounds a bit um, maybe populistic or it sounds a I bit... I mean, it's, it's an entirely new team, basically. Yeah, but if you look at who's leaving, so, you know, Turam is our top goal scorer. He's one of the top goal scorers on the league. So that's 14, currently 14 goals you have to replace and a couple of assists. The same is true for still for the eternal Lars Stindl, who is, you know, an absolute Gladbach legend and who could probably you know, stay on, but he now has made that decision. And I think it's also good to have really also a cut for the very experienced players and, and change things. It's, it's maybe not a bad, it's an opportunity for the club, um, but he's still delivering, you know, double digit assists and goals. Rami Benzabini is one of the most dangerous defenders in the Bundesliga, sometimes, unfortunately, on both sides of the pitch, but, you know, he's certainly always good for, for, for goal and uh, he's quite good at, you know, converting penalties. So, all these, that's goal power that needs to be replaced. Uh, uh, so that's three positions where we have to find someone. Uh, Verkus mentioned this, that they will be looking for a striker. They'll be looking for a left back as, you know, you cannot go with in the, through the entire season with Luca Netz, who's, who's, you know, 19. And uh, again, said he has potential, but currently there needs to be a second player in on the, on, on these positions. And, and I think the same is also true for someone like Christoph Kramer on a holding midfielder position. We can see too many goals. He's also in his thirties. And then you're already at, you're talking for four players or so. And, you know, with, with maybe players who are good, good challenges from the bench, then that would be the fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth player coming in. And I think that should be done. As, again, Farkett doesn't sub players on quite often. And I think that's also to some degree a good statement that he doesn't have the depth on the bench to challenge the starting eleven. Well, I mean, talking about challenging and stuff, should Hassan Al-Fakiri make a comeback for Gladbach? I mean, we've been asked about him about, on, on Twitter, at Don DeBrito. wonders if we could talk a little bit about him. You know, joking aside, what are your memories of Hassan Al-Fakiri at Borussia Mönchengladbach? 
Well, I have one specific memory in the stadium in the season, in 2005-2006 season, which was the better of the two seasons he played with Gladbach as they got relegated the following season, yet again, where Gladbach beat Kaiserslautern 4-1 and had sort of a golden autumn or golden October. And I think they you know, picked up a lot of points and really sort of moving up the table, climbing up the table and, and really dizzying heights for Gladbach supporters at the time. I think they were sort of seventh or eighth. So we, I think we come full circle with, you know, talking about the situation in 2023. And, and Hassan Hefekiri was part of that team that um, did extremely well in the first part of the season. And, you know, Gladbach under House Köppel that time, they finished, I believe it was 11th that season. But that was a great success for Gladbach at the time, who's just been struggling, you know, fighting relegation for, for almost a decade, coming back from the second Bundesliga as well. So he was part of that team. So I actually have quite fond memories. And there's a specific 4-1 against Lautern where he also scored. And I think he scored a goal and gave an assist. Yeah. I mean, he's also linked to, of course, the side that got relegated <laughs> a year on. But I think it's been a, it was a good episode with him. Right. And, you know, if we want to stay a little bit Norwegian before I ask you my final and last question of this episode is uh, at Mick underscore 713 as... How popular is Borussia in Norway? Are there more sympathizers since Kai Erik Herlovsen has played for Borussia Mönchengladbach? Now, <laughs> I mean, this question might be a little bit more for me than for you. I mean, but Manu, do, do you at all remember Kai Erik Herlovsen? It's probably a good starting point for us here. Uh, you know, I think I, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite. To, to you know, say uh, use the right term. I'm quite senior, I would say now in terms of uh, how many years and decades I followed Gladbach, and not compared to your board. <laughs> that is true. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a young spring chicken compared to them. Yeah, but uh, you know, I can I can just about remember him um, from you know from sort of the 80s as part of a yeah you know as a child. Of course, you see all these places. Uh, it's sort of a wow, what, what a squad! And you know, Gladbach in the mid 80s, they were also challenging for the title in some years, in 84 specifically. And you know he's he was part of these years. He he wasn't always a regular, but um, it's certainly for the more seasoned club of supporters a name, just like you know Eric Torsvet as a as a keeper. Names that are sort of yeah fond memories of club of eighties and nineties players. Indeed, and you know. <laughs> When it comes to Norwegian ex- Gladbach, I mean, there's always the chat about that Gladbach have had like magical Danes. I mean, those Alan Seamus and all, all these guys, Lefebvre, what a player he was during the 70s. I mean, but me and you, we just know him from video clips because we weren't around for, for you know, those days. But when it comes to Norwegians, actually, there have been quite a few. I mean, you've mentioned Tors, but you've mentioned Harlovsen. Hassan Al-Fakiri has played for Borussia Mönchengladbach, as we mentioned him earlier. And there's been, of course... Harvard Nordfight, who's been one of the players who's played the most Bundesliga matches of all of the Norwegian players that have been to the Bundesliga. I mean, he's basically, I think Rune Bratzett and a couple of other guys have played more matches than he has. If, you know, Bjorn Andersen, maybe. So, Borussia Mönchengladbach certainly do enjoy some popularity in Norway because they are actually the only club that has a Norwegian language podcast dedicated to them by fans. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know any other Norwegian language podcast that talks about another team in the Bundesliga. It's quite unique. Yep. Are they as popular as Bayern, Dortmund, Union Berlin, FC St. Pauli? Probably not. I think Harvard Nordwald is an interesting example there because, of course, he played uh, in, in Gladbach for, I believe, five seasons. And he's 
really linked to the to the father era and qualifying for the Champions League directly for Gladbach. That was him in the squad. And but then he moved on to West Ham United. And you know, I think that's a thing where I think he at the time he said it that, you know, everyone in Norway follows the Premier League. So I you know my dream is also to eventually play in the Premier League. So and he fulfilled that dream or at least well, I don't know it was a dream really how it turned out, but you know, he did move to West Ham. So I think that that's about in a nutshell how I would see how uh, Bundesliga football is perceived in Norway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, we're, the Norwegians are a bunch of Anglophiles. And so I just Googled it, and Harvard Nordhaus is actually number three when it comes to the most amount of Bundesliga matches for Norwegian. But obviously, you, you kind of get forgotten when you join Hoffenheim, even you know, even if you're a Norwegian international. I mean, Hoffenheim are a team that nobody in particular is really fond of talking about. Moving our focus back on something more fun to talk about than Hoffenheim, Gladbach. Uh, and my last question for, for this episode is going to be, are we talking really a lot about this sort of being a very major and key rebuild. Now, if this rebuild doesn't work out as it is intended within, let's say, the next couple of seasons, would you think that Gladbach actually is in danger of becoming a club that just trundles along in mid-table and that might at some point, you know, if a season really goes sour become one of the sites that suddenly could get relegated like Bremen did a couple of years ago. Yes, and there's a you know there's a lot of shouts among Gladbach supporters for that saying like be be wary of Werder Bremen, be wary of Schalke, Hamburg, all clubs that define themselves at some point have like definitely Champions League material for years to come and then it went yeah, south or sour quite quickly. So in that regard I think being sort of mid-table and 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 yeah, sort of, you know, ways around and uh, between 10th or 13th might not actually be something that should be disregarded by by Gladbach supporters if we were to bring in young players who develop over a season or two and then we can look at oh you know what potential is there can we can we go back away and I think the one mistake the club should avoid and that's something I would have seen in these other clubs we just talked or named is that you aim to get one or two you know, real quality hit players to bring them instantly back up again. And then they fail to incorporate into the squad, they fail to deliver. And then all of a sudden you spend all the money on these two or three key players and you have a heavily weakened squad. So I think really you have to rebuild, as I was saying, with a lot of recruitments of, of, of younger players built around the philosophy of the coach. That's more coherent than just going for one or two star players to say like, well, you know, they can, the, like a Turam, like a Mbolo, like a Ginter, they can, they can bring us up again. That would be the danger. But I have nothing against playing another season in that region of the table, but with more perspective that it's a team for the future. It has to lead to something. Yes, I would agree with you on that one. Anyways, this is it for another edition of Talking Foosball Extra, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. My name is Nick Viltang, and I was joined by Manuel Breuer. Manu, always great to have you on the show. Please uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find you uh, work. Well, you can find me at uh, Binger05 and, uh, you know, the occasional forward uh, output at uh, forward underscore en or forward underscore de. And yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. It's been great having you back. Uh, please come back in the not too distant future. If you want to hear more of Manu, you might want to go onto our Patreon account as well, uh, patreon.com forward slash talking foosball. 
loads and loads of loads of historic content on that page. Manu has uh, contributed to several episodes there and actually to an upcoming one as well. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's at Talking Foosball. Please drop us a line, tell us what you think about our show. Always keen to hear from you. Next week, Talking Foosball Direct is going to be back. Until then, it is goodbye for now.